Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Ready to go? You ready to get fired up, Hammer? Let's do it. We got another name. We have another guy. We have another person putting his name in the hat to run for governor of this great state of Indiana. Get ready to get fired up. This guy, I tell you what, he's my wife's hall pass. Oh. Yeah, you know how Britney Spears is your yeah your yeah. hall pass if you ever get a chance. Well, this must be a huge name. Former Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers is announcing he's running for governor. Yeah, wife's hall pass. She's a huge Brad Chambers fan. <clears throat> Who the hell is this? <laughs> so this guy. <laughs> Brad Chambers, not to be confused with former Sonics legend Tom Chambers, <laughs> or the character Diane Chambers from Cheers, Brad Chambers, this is going to be the establishment's guy. The establishment is going to wrap their arms around Brad Chambers and say, please, please tax more people and take us to the promised land. The same people in the state of Indiana, and we're talking about the Republicans here because they've got the supermajority, that brag about the surplus, a.k.a. overtaxing you. The same people who brag about the gas tax and how it's not going away, overtaxing you, are going to love Brad Chambers. Now, it sounds like, from what the little birdies are telling all of us, is that Kyle Hupfer... One of the big wigs over at the Indiana State House is going to be involved in his campaign. Yeah, he's the GOP chair, right? Whether like it's in a campaign director role, some sort of advisor role, he's going to be in. And we're also hearing that this is going to be the guy that Eric Holcomb is going oh, to endorse. Well, you lost me there. <laughs> that's, that's a no for me, dog. I don't know who I'm voting for yet. I have no clue who I'm going to vote for, but if you got the Holcomb endorsement, I know who I'm not voting for. <laughs> and again, when it comes to Big Nige, a Holcomb endorsement <laughs> is like an O.J. Simpson endorsement. <laughs> they kind of feel about the same. Oh, O.J. likes this? Oh, hell, I better go the other direction. So now in the Republican field, the primary field of gubernatorial candidates you've got brad chambers you've got suzanne crouch you've got mike braun you've got eric doden and you've got curtis hill and don't forget jamie right yes you're right um who seems to be like a very good per- who seems to be a good person hasn't done a very good job of getting herself out there though i should have said the main players right and the- then there we have the the libertarian candidate Yes, you've got uh, uh, Donald Rainwater as the Libertarian and McCormick, who's running as the Democrat. But the GOP primary adds Brad Chambers, who just finished two years of running the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Oh, that gets my heart pumping, man. (laughs) I can't wait to vote for... Never mind. Allison's over here fanning herself at the news (laughs) that Brad Chambers is now in the race. Now, we're laughing about this, but... 
This is a guy that's got a lot of support oh, from yeah. inside the Indiana State House. Big time. The establishment wing is going to love this guy, which sets up a really interesting primary because previously Suzanne Crouch was flying that flag as the establishment choice. Holcomb's lieutenant governor. Right. But Holcomb never went out and said, hey, this is the person you need to vote for, my lieutenant governor. He never did that. He waited, and now it sounds like, he hasn't made it official yet, but he's going to put those big, burly arms around Brad Chambers and give him the mafia-style kiss on the cheek. (laughs) That's going to be the person that Holcomb endorses which sets up a really interesting primary because if the two establishment choices kind of cannibalize each other, if you will, Crouch and Brad Chambers, who did do a good job in terms of bringing in money, but if they kind of cannibalize each other, this is going to leave some opportunity for somebody else. Now, if you feel like this is Mike Braun's race to lose yeah it probably still is is. but i think and maybe i'm the lone ranger on this i think this is going to be a good thing for curtis hill who came in the race very late because he's the anti-establishment yeah he's the guy that went after holcomb after holcomb tried to lay the smack down on indiana residents for not wearing a mask tried to throw you in jail curtis hill came was like no you really can't do that nice try I know you're all for lockdowns and keeping businesses closed and keeping people in their homes and putting masks on kids, but no, you can't throw somebody in jail for not wearing a mask. Good try. Shoot, I'd vote for Curtis Hill alone just for that. And the establishment hates Curtis Hill. And when you've got this many names in the race here, we're looking at maybe 30, 35% could win. So if the establishment wing kind of tears each other apart here, you've got other options. Now, maybe a lot of people hitch their wagon to Mike Braun and this whole thing is for naught. But if there's enough people in the state of Indiana who feel like their property taxes are ridiculous, the gas tax is ridiculous, you're bragging about this surplus, which is fancy talk for saying you overtaxed us for years, there's a chance... (laughs) A puncher's chance Curtis Hill could be in play here. Uh, We got some Trump indictment updates here. Atlanta prosecutor Fannie Willis uh, (laughs) proposed March 4th, 2024, as the trial date for Donald Trump. Now, if you're a politico, you'll probably recognize that date as the evening before Super Tuesday. So... This has got to be a coordinated deal here, right? You don't schedule a trial of this magnitude right before Super Tuesday if you're just focused on the law. Yeah, Super Tuesday is when, you know the, the United States presidential primary election day uh, in February and March. It's when the, basically when the greatest number of U.S. states hold their primary elections. It's Super Tuesday. Several states hold them on different dates, but the most states hold them on that Tuesday. And when you have a trial of this magnitude, you're going to have to prepare and prep for it. So it sounds like the fine folks in Georgia, i.e. Fannie Willis, the prosecutor, know exactly what they're doing. They don't want Donald Trump out on the campaign trail. They want him focused on this trial. 
I've noticed this. A lot of others have noticed this, including former acting attorney general Matthew Whitaker. They've now scheduled this first uh, uh, trial on the day before Super Tuesday, where 15 states plus American Samoa are going to go vote. And, and if you're thinking you can prepare for a trial and visit 15 states uh, in the lead up to Super Tuesday, I mean, that's going to be impossible. So obviously, this is all planned and coordinated in order to try to prevent Donald Trump uh, from being strong enough to win the election in November. But I don't think they're going to stop him. So it's a it's a conspiracy, man. Every, <laughs> I mean, every it's time right there. I tell you what, every time I mean, you go down the timeline, every time uh, there was some something new came out about Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, the next day another indictment would fall for Donald Trump. Hell, uh, before still with the January sixth stuff, Comer comes out the next day. The committee chair, uh, the guy with the the House committee, Comer, came out and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna subpoena the Bidens." Uh, we're going to subpoena all of them, including Joe. That next day, uh, he added uh, the the January sixth prosecutor added more charges to the January sixth <laughs> indictment. But and this is the, just about justice. Yeah, it's not election interference at all. Has nothing to do with the political rival. We just happened to schedule the trial right before Super Tuesday. And oh, by the way, now Arizona is talking about filing charges. Oh, come on, against Donald Trump. Katie Hobbs, their newly elected governor, is urging their attorney general, Chris Mays, to file charges against Trump for interfering in the 2020 election. Quote, I've been an advocate for holding folks involved in trying to overturn the will of the voters in the 2020 election accountable. And this is part of the process. I would say holding, uh, I, I would say, you know, proposing March 4th, the day before Super Tuesday, 2024, March 4th, day before Super Tuesday, I would say that's election interference for this trial. All right. I would say all of this is election interference at this point. For now, Donald these Trump. dates are not official until the judge signs off on it. But the fact that these prosecutors are putting these dates out there, I mean, do the math here. You see what's going on, right? And as for Arizona jumping in late for their own indictment, this reminds me of when the Ice Bucket Challenge was going on. Do you guys all remember the Ice Bucket uh. Challenge? It was to raise money for, I think, ALS, but people were dumping ice cold buckets of water on their head if they get challenged by somebody. And it had a couple weeks worth of run, and it was the most popular trend in America. But after that, it fizzled out. But we all know that one friend that did it like two months later. <laughs> hey, I'm doing the ice bucket challenge. Great. We all did that two months ago. This is Arizona. Arizona is that one friend doing the ice bucket challenge way too damn late. And it's kind of embarrassing. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. Okay, cool. Hammer, you've got the uh, Pacers schedule over there. They just released the schedule for the upcoming season. Yes, and keep in mind, All-Star Weekend is here in Indianapolis oh, yeah. uh, coming up this year. Yes. So Pacers schedule just out. couple uh, things of note here. Opening night is at home. October 25th, the Washington Wizards come to town. That's opening night. A couple other games of note here. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, a lot of people love to watch the Warriors. They come to town on Thursday, 
February 8th. Lakers. Uh, the Lakers come to town Friday, a Friday night game, March 29th. The defending champion Denver Nuggets, Tuesday, January 23rd. And Pacers have one nationally televised game, just one. It's on the road. It's at Boston, and that's in January. Uh, Victor Wembenyama, the number one pick with the Spurs, uh, they come into town on November 6th. How are you feeling? I mean, I, like they surpassed any and all expectations last season, didn't they? They did, man. And it's, if Halliburton can stay healthy, this group's got a chance to make a playoff run. They do. Uh, now, are they going to be the favorites in the East? No. Are they going to get a home court advantage? I don't know. Probably not. But I think they can get in there in one of those five, six, seven, and eight spots okay. for sure. Got to stay healthy, though. But I like the fact that got Halliburton locked in. Uh, long-term deal. Seems like a good guy to build the franchise around. So there you go. Um, we mentioned earlier, it's a very special date on the calendar. And for me to do this properly, I'm going to need the official Bill Clinton music. Oh. Oh, this is one fine day to be nude. Yeah, this is one fine day to be nude. The birds are saying, Clinton, have a wonderful spring. And people walking by can stop and look at my thing. <laughs> it was on this date, 25 years ago, 1998, President Bill Clinton, Slick Willie, gave a grand jury testimony via the closed circuit TV from the White House regarding his <clears throat> relations yes. with Monica Ooh. Lewinsky. He then deliver, delivered a TV address, which he denied anything about it, uh, went after Ken Starr's investigation. Now, it turns out he was totally having relations with Monica Lewinsky, and Kenneth Starr was right. So for those of you scoring at home, here's how it played out. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Mr. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. Oh, it's so funny because the Democrats tried to turn it around uh, on the Republicans and say well, they want to impeach Bill Clinton because he had an illicit relationship with Monica Lewinsky. Well, no, no, that's not what happened. He lied under oath. Perjury. Yes. That's so what it was. That's, that's what it, that was all about, not some moral high ground thing. And the other thing, I remember when Trump was president, you heard a lot of these righteous politicos Donald Trump is a disgrace to the office. I can't wait until we have somebody with dignity back in the office. You know what Bill was doing with cigars <laughs> while he was in the office? Anybody know Ew. what Slick Willie was doing while he was in the office? So let's pump the brakes a little bit. A lot of ridiculous things have happened in the office. You had fat guys getting stuck in bathtubs. You got cigars being used for non-smoking purposes. There's a lot of crazy stuff. So ease up just a little bit, which takes us down a new segment on this show. Great moments in Bill Clinton history. This is when, and I <laughs> no. love this so much, there was a report from England about Bill Cosby. It aired on the BBC, the British Broadcast Channel. And it was about Bill Cosby, but they got his name and Bill Clinton's name confused. For the last two years, this has been where Bill Clinton has called home. But tonight, 
he will sleep in his own bed. After the bombshell decision by Pennsylvania's Supreme Court to overturn his conviction of sexual assault. <laughs> Just to clarify what was said there in uh, Michelle's introduction to the story, we apologise for the mistake. The story, of course, is about Bill Cosby, the entertainer. <laughs> I'd never heard that one before. That's hilarious. Clinton, Cosby. I could see how you would get the two confused. Like in this case, I actually understand. Oh, wow. We just want to make it clear. Which sexual deviant we're talking about here? <laughs> Great moments in Bill Clinton history. I love when his character appears on the TV show Family Guy. In other news, former President Bill Clinton was in town today to judge Quahog's annual Miss Cankle USA contest. <laughs> now that's a cankle. Where does the calf fat end and the ankle fat begin? Who knows? That's the fun. Great moments in yes. Bill Clinton history Bravo. on the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> So there's kind of this feud going on, Hammer, with Governor of New York, Hochul, right? Kathy Hochul, New York Governor uh, of New York. And then between the feuds between her and then New York City Mayor Adams. And the feud basically is Governor Hochul saying, like, we've offered you guys state assistance to handle these migrants, and you've turned us down. You've rebuffed our offers. But that's kind of peripheral to what the real story is here. Kathy Hochul was doing an interview with a news organization, uh, I believe this was yesterday, and she said, quote, well, the question was, do you think the city <clears throat> may have dropped the ball somewhat in dealing with this crisis? And Hochul responded, no, the mayor has had extraordinary challenges. He didn't invite all these individuals to come in. I think there was an expectation that not so many would be allowed to come through the border. So Did wait a minute. That? Wait a minute. Hold on. You're telling me that the same people who used to brag about being sanctuary cities are upset that people took them up on their offer. Is that the way that this is going down here? Let me give you a tweet from Eric Adams. October 20th, 2021. Quote, we should protect our immigrants, period. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. I'll see that tweet and I'll raise you a CNN interview just 10 months ago. Just over a year ago, you tweeted, quote, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. What is your message to migrants arriving in the U.S.? Should they still come to New York City? Well, I think that they should come to any place in the country that they <laughs> desire uh, their pursuit of the American dream. Oh, boy. This guy, they really stepped in it. All these virtue signaling uh, progressive Democrats ruining their cities. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm looking at the tweet from 20 October uh, 2021. We should protect our immigrants. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. And now he's doing everything he can in his power to keep them out of his city. It and, is that's that's pretty rich. That that's some irony right there. And Kathy Hochul had a press conference just a few weeks ago. I think you were gone that day. We played the audio. She was encouraging people who lived in the suburbs to take as many folks in as you can. Now, I don't know if Kathy Hochul took any into that big, awesome <laughs> yeah. governor's mansion, but she was encouraging people that had the room, that lived in the suburbs. Come on, do your part and be great New Yorkers. Some of those 
homes on Martha's Vineyard could fit 50 families. Those homes are empty during the winter. Those are second homes for most of those those elites over there. But nobody, nobody. I mean, they'd love to say we're sanctuary cities. Come one, come all. And boy, they did. They came. They showed up. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> Which bedroom's ours? Oh, well, we didn't really Eef. think this one all the way through. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done this, but turn out the lights, get your glow sticks ready. We got some vaccine oh, stuff. Pharmacies, antibodies, side effects, vaccine stuff. Yeah, Hammer. The, um, the new COVID booster is going to be released late September what? of this year. The new COVID booster. What? It will, but will it be covered by insurance? That's the big question. It all depends on your insurance. Plenty of physicians advise employers to consider having their uh, given insurance provider to cover for it. I, I stopped listening to you once you said COVID booster. <laughs> Everybody's worried about whether or not it's going to be covered by insurance. That's the that's the thing. So these so I, I don't big to... pharmaceutical companies who made a killing off this stuff oh, sure. during the pandemic, they're not wanting to uh, lose any money at all. They're saying, yeah, you know what? If you want this thing, we're going to have the doctor prescribe <laughs> it for you, and you're going to pay every damn dime. <laughs> I, I guess I don't have to worry about it either way. I won't be getting it. Right. That's what I said. Most people just stop paying attention. Oh, COVID booster? What's the next story? And now I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I didn't get the get the original jab. Uh, I did on the voice uh, on the on the advice of my doctor. I got forced into it by our old owner. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, there was that. I but uh, but I voluntarily. I mean, I my, I talked about it with my doctor. He, along with like a lot of other people, thought it was going to be a game changer. Ended up, I you know, I go in for my physical the very next year. I was like, so doc, well, should I get the booster? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes, I remember. I want a doctor who shrugs yeah. his shoulders and goes. Eh. Yeah, it's, it's, he he told me. Uh, let's see, when was this? Twenty twenty one. Like his his patients, the demographic of his patients are kind of older, so he he would recommend. But he said every time his one of his patients got a booster, two weeks later they'd be back in with COVID. He said it was like flypaper, like the the, the vaccine. Man, was, I'm just seeing said, too so. many side effects these days. And I know that's one of the things that we have in the vaccine stuff intro, side effects. But healthy dudes like Demar Hamblin and Bronny James and a lot of high school athletes yeah, no. across this country. Oh, it's normal for these healthy, amazing young people to just collapse because of myocarditis. Is it? Because I don't think we're being told everything. And if that makes me the tinfoil hat guy, let me strap that thing on because I don't think we're getting all the information here. So, yeah, I'm not interested in the COVID booster. I wasn't interested in the COVID vaccine. But in order to provide for my family, I had to get it to keep my job here. Now, despite what you hear about radio, folks, Nigel, you and I are pretty blessed. We make a decent amount of money doing what we do. So... If the people who were saying, well, you should have just walked away and had your integrity. I got a kid going to college. I got another kid in high school here. It's not that easy. So I found the one-shot Johnny. I did the Johnson & Johnson one. No boosters, no follow-up, no crap. I did the follow-up thing. I don't think I did the third one. I, don't, I can't remember now, but I... Uh, I 
And I had already had COVID before I even. Oh, I did too. I, and I, never, I mean, I never officially took a test, but I lost the taste and the smell for two weeks. And so, I mean, I never had any symptoms other than that. So I already had the, the antibodies. Our old owners were really good to us. They were. They were amazing to us. But the one thing that just bothers me to no end was being forced to do that. Now, some people uh, found loopholes. I think Rob found a way to get a religious exemption, and he had to do testing every Every single week, man. (laughs) It just sounded like a lot of work to me. And I don't know if I had time for that. Well, look, I mean, you know... I do believe maybe there in the beginning, I did have friends. I had friends of my age that, that wound up uh, in the hospital for a couple of days with COVID pneumonia. Like they had to get on oxygen because their levels were so low that they didn't take the vaccine. Now, if they would have taken the vaccine, would that still have kept them out of the hospital? I don't know. I'm not saying COVID didn't exist. COVID existed. It absolutely existed because it was made in a lab in China and leaked out. Next thing you know, here we are. But this forced vaccine uh forcing someone to take something in their body that they choose not to that's still in the experimental phase oh and and by the way if you're head of a medical establishment of any kind and you made your nurses or doctors get that thing and if they didn't you fired them after being around covid patients for a year and a half you you should have your license yanked that's that's despicable behavior has anybody on MSNBC or that quack Dr. Peter Hotez apologized to Joe Rogan? Because this past couple of weeks, we found out that ivermectin is now approved, and it is indeed a way that you can treat COVID. Ivermectin! <laughs> Hydroxychloroquine! <laughs> Dexamethasone! But when Joe Rogan took it, it was horse paced and everybody laughed and CNN had a big, you know, grab ass, slap each other in the backside. Good time <laughs> laughing at Joe Rogan. But quietly, without a lot of fanfare, in the last couple of weeks, three years too late. Oh, by the way, it's perfectly fine to treat COVID. And I don't even know if it works all that well. Right. But it's certainly not a horse tranquilizer or whatever the hell they were saying about it. Horse paced. I mean, there's going to be a book on the ridiculous crap that we were forced to do as a society during COVID. And oh, the plexiglass. I still can't stand <laughs> I, I was at a place today that had plexiglass. Oh, no. Between me and the, like, you know, hindering circulation and filtration. It's just it's, it's making it worse. Keeping the kids out of school. Well, that's obvious, yeah. These well, cloth masks that didn't do anything except for collect the germs. I mean... Everything that you probably shouldn't do, this country did. And we were told if you don't like it, if you don't comply, then some states wanted to have you arrested. And in Indiana, if Governor Holcomb had his way originally, if you dared walking out without a mask on, he wanted to throw your ass in jail. But if Malik Mohammed leads an angry mob up and down the street, then he gets a one-on-one meet and greet. Again, the book one day on all this crap is going to be amazing. And trying to tell all of our grandkids or great-grandkids about the ridiculous stuff one day. Or our kids, for that matter. Yeah. 
our, my kids led the most normal, totally, absolutely normal life. They they actually loved not going to school. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, we hated it as parents. Right. But I mean, like, just being honest, man. Like they, I mean, our neighbors, our kids. We kind like for the first two weeks, we kind of we all played outside, and then we tried to keep them away from each other for like six feet, six feet, six feet, and then which was a made up number, which was a made up arbitrary number that they just came up with out of their asses at the CDC. But like. By two weeks, all the kids were out back in our trampoline, jumping with each other. It was it was a joke. I, mean, I know we got to hit a break here. We've got about a minute left. Oh wow! Look at the time. But at what point did you realize? Wait a minute! I don't know if this whole COVID nineteen scared to death thing is all it cracks well, up to be. Well, I, I for me it was. I, I I knew. I had always said I was. I wasn't scared of the virus. I kind of knew you know who it affected the most who was most at risk and i wasn't it and uh, but the i always said i wasn't scared of the virus i'm scared of the way humanity and our government officials are going to react to the virus and then when that big giant medical barge or whatever it is the uss comfort uh that that donald trump set to new york because it was going because all the hospitals were going to be overfilled they were uh, you know and and, you know we're going to run out of ventilators when that thing sat empty for a month and then it eventually went back to where it was supposed to be i don't know where like in dc somewhere i thought okay because that was the whole thing right right that was the you know the hospitals are gonna the hospitals never were overfilled I, they were, they were full. Probably st- they were stressed at times yeah. some of them were but yeah that's when i was kind of like okay so pretty pretty early on it, it was a joke the way the media and some of these doctors tried to scare people I thought we would see people dying in the streets, right? Like, we're not going to have enough morgues. We're not going to have enough hospitals. About four or five days into (laughs) this thing. We're not going to have enough morgues. And then, you know, the fear-mongering with whoever that sports writer is from the Indy Star and, you know, the body bags and the the mobile morgues outside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway right. if, we, if we have the Indy 500 and we let fans in. The USA Today writer uh, who said that the Big Ten playing football the next year was the <laughs> darkest hour of the conference. Nobody. Not one single record of COVID transmission on the field. And this is the same conference all. that brought you the scandal at Penn State, the scandal with you know Larry Nassar right. at Michigan State, but Ohio State leading the way, wanting to play football, was the biggest problem, the darkest hour. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. Let's do some booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it Man, Billy Bush is the heir of the Anheuser-Busch brand. He has volunteered to buy the company back from a global conglomerate InBev, which bought the company a few years ago for like something crazy, like $52 billion. Here's Billy Bush on Tommy Lahren's Outkick show. I think InBev doesn't understand who their core drinker is. I, um, you know, it's a Brazilian-based company. We always cared very, very much about the people in America. Uh, what got, what made this company great was America, of course. And um, you know, when you are a foreign company and you rely on these woke um, 
these woke students that are coming out of these woke colleges to do your advertising for you, you're making a big mistake. You need to go out there and understand who your core customer is. And I urge that company in Bev, if they don't want that brand any longer, sell it back to the Bush family, sell it to me. I'll be the first in line to buy that uh, brand back from you and we'll make that brand great again. Now, this is not the same Billy Bush that Donald Trump was yucking it up with. <laughs> and they got fired. And the old grabber in the hoo-ha tape. Yeah. This is the Bush, Bush. family, uh, B-U-S-C-H. Now, what he's talking about is, of course, the Bud Light scandal, where their previous marketing director, Alyssa Heidershide, <laughs> decided that the brand was going a little too fratty. It's like we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. What does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. We had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important that we had another approach. Just crapping on their entire customer base. Hi to shine! <laughs> I mean, when you look up <laughs> bad decisions, is the Bud Light partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, yeah. is that worse than New Coke? Oh, yeah. Oh, It's worse yeah. than New Coke? Because I, I, New Coke has always been the standard, right, of like bad well, ideas. This just took it over. Bad marketing things. Tweet at us, at Hammer and Nigel. What's going to go down in history as the worst marketing idea? New Coke. Or hide side partnering with Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! I see Allison. I hear Matt Bear. Harrison Silcox is here. Nigel is right Hello. across from me. I'm Jason Hammer. The only person that it feels like we're missing... It's wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Come on, man. You ain't black. So, so the question is, is the White House press pool and other mainstream media outlets starting to turn on the Biden administration? We've seen... Um, Places like the Atlantic, far left progressive rags like the New York Times question Joe Biden's age, his mental acuity. They've dinged him uh, on his uh, grandchild that he previously didn't acknowledge. Um, so tougher questions to Corinne Jean-Pierre <laughs> yesterday, a reporter talking about Biden's FEMA administrator about claims that Biden has already sent a lot of people and resources to Hawaii to help the fire victims, but we don't know if that's actually happened or not. I heard everything you said about all the resources that are um, being brought to bear, but we keep interviewing survivor after survivor who says that uh, either they didn't see any government personnel or assistance for days or that they still haven't. Uh, how do you explain the disconnect between what they're saying and what you're saying about all the resources that are there right now? to understand that this community is going through an amazingly traumatic event. Uh, I can tell you that we have personnel that are on the ground year-round and embedded in with the state as soon as the fire started so we could continue to understand what resources were needed and help move them in. I think you need to understand that we were lying. 
Biden and ha 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 has said, oh, we've got plenty of resources. We got people on the ground over there. Well, now the press pool, they're like, we've spoke to a lot of victims. Nobody has seen anybody from the Biden administration trying to help out what's going on here. So I'm curious, would you have heard that type of question, say, two and a half years ago? When Joe Biden is in office and he's kind of a new uh, president, would we have heard that tone from the press pool? The questions keep on getting tougher and tougher because there's no access to Joe Biden. He doesn't give press conferences. He does, And when he does, he says no comment. And uh, I, I think they basically feel lied to in terms of, I'm talking about the press, the mainstream media. There was supposed to be, you know, this, this guy, this uniter, this transparent uniter. And all he's done was blow him on. I mean, how many days has it been since? I mean, weeks, months has it been since he's given an official press conference? The mainstream media, they're upset. Hey, we're the ones supposed to be lying. You don't lie to us. <laughs> uh, here's another example of what we're talking about here. So CNN. I mean, we all know what CNN is about. It's certainly not a conservative-friendly outlet. But Daniel Dale... He goes on the air and fact checks Biden from that ridiculous speech that he did the other day. First of all, th this conversation about the, the million mile uh, flying milestone could not have happened because Mr. Negri was an Amtrak conductor, was deceased at the time it would have had to occur. Uh, he passed that milestone, the vice president, uh, in September 2015. Mr. Negri died more than a year prior Oops. in 2014. The second false element, Victor, is, is uh, the president said that his mother uh, was sick at the time in hospice in his home. In fact, she had died more than five years prior to him reaching that million miles flown milestone on Air Force Two. But look, we I've counted at least nine times as president that Biden has told this story about his friend that is just inaccurate. So it's it's probably time he retires it. And the thing is, Joe Biden lies about stuff that it's just not important. Like he just does it for sport. Like, you know, if a politician <laughs> says, I served in the military, but you really didn't, you're trying to advance your career you don't want to damning dick right Blumenthal. joe biden makes stuff up i used to be a train engineer <laughs> i used to drive a big rig i mean no you didn't you're just lying for sport at I this went point. hiking in the himalayas with president g <laughs> Ten thousand miles and you can't prove that well no kidding uh, we're checking in. And, and by the way, it just makes me, because we had that segment earlier on Bill Clinton and how today's the anniversary of I did not have sexual relations with that woman, and then cut to a couple of weeks later, I had relations with that woman. <laughs> you know, whenever President Biden has looked straight in the camera and said, I did not talk to my son about his business. I had no business dealings with whatsoever with Hunter Biden. You know he's flat out lying. 100%. They are liars. We are checking in with Joe Biden, and he had a really creepy moment with some kids yesterday. Now, if somebody else says this, is it as creepy as when Joe Biden says it? Take a listen. I want to say one thing to your children. I know some really great ice cream places around here, <laughs> and daddy owes you. So talk to me afterwards. Daddy owes you in that weird whisper voice. That's creepy, Daddy, right? Daddy owes you. Like if anybody else says that, like I think you could make a case for they're talking about the kids, dad. 
But when creepy hair sniffing Joe Biden says it, is he calling himself daddy? Daddy owes you. Oh, I thought I thought he was calling himself daddy, but you're saying he may have been talking about the other dads in the audience. What, well, whatever. Yeah, it's creepy. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't he get does. the benefit of the doubt. When you have sniffed as many kids as this guy has, <laughs> you do not get the benefit of the doubt. And this brings us to great moments in creepy oh. Joe Biden history. I just, the hair on my arm stands up on its end when he does that creepy whisper. That boy, after his convention, he really, really made inroads. He hasn't. Not at all. That's disgusting. And he does it all the time. He hasn't. Like when he was talking about the COVID money and the environment money. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. (laughs) They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill. On the environment. (laughs) Pay them more. Now that's pretty creepy, right? (laughs) Now, imagine that you put some scary music behind that and imagine what that would sound like. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. (laughs) I wrote the bill. On the environment. Pay them more. You weirdo. You're scaring us. Stop it. I want to sniff you. You want some ice cream? Daddy will get it for you. It's disgusting. Uh, Allison, let's shift gears completely for a fun, family-friendly round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? Now, if you are new to the Hammer and Nigel show, first of all, thank you for tuning in. But if you're wondering how we play this game, here to explain is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? So Donald Trump, the other night, goes on Truth Social. That's his social media. Quote, there will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought against the riggers. So that was Donald Trump's reaction to what's happening to him with the indictments most recently from Georgia. Well, Al Sharpton heard him talking about rigged election and going out to find the riggers. And he is upset. Oh, I see where this is going. Because it sounds like something else. The racial language. I mean, using uh, a mm. word that rhymes with the N-word. Donald Trump himself, their leader, using the term riggers, which uh, clearly yep. ra- uh, rhymes with the N-word. I mean, this is not exactly. 10 years ago or uh, 30 years ago when we marched against him on the Central Park Five. Uh, I'm talking about he, and within the last 24 hours, used the term riggers. Is this the kind of party the Republicans want to show the country that they are? It's funny, I didn't even know where you were going with that story when you read his True Social post. I had no clue. I have, I have not looked ahead here. I'm not. You, you see, I don't even have my readers on right here. I didn't. I had no clue. That's what where you're going. Cause so, so Al Sharp. So he say because that rhymes with the N word. Right. That's, that's that's racist. It's a dog whistle. Donald Trump really means the N word <sighs> when he's talking about people who rigged an election, and we have to find the riggers. And because it rhymes, and he Al Sharpton it, yeah. thinks it's racist. He said it like three or four times himself right there in that clip. So based off the line of thinking of Al Sharpton, is Al 
Or are women's groups upset during a baseball game when somebody lays down a bunt? (laughs) Is that a dog whistle? (laughs) There's a word that rhymes with that. And we're not going to stand for it. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh, wow. I'm crying. Every Halloween, you see that witch? What do you really mean? Unreal. Amber and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything all right let's rock and roll, rock and roll. Hey, how do we play is this anything i'll run some stories by you you break down all of the information and give us a verdict is the story anything or not now before we get to that part i'm going to read you what this is about nige okay you tell me what state do you think this happened in okay okay a woman ended up leaving her husband and sending ten thousand dollars worth of gift cards to somebody catfishing her and pretending he was from the TV show Stranger Things. <laughs> what state do you think that happened in? Florida. A Kentucky woman. Oh, that's my next guess. I was going to say Kentucky or Florida. Kentucky woman what sent happened? $10,000 worth of gift cards to somebody running a scam against her pretending that he was somebody from the TV show Stranger Things. Here is Michaela talking about what she did when she thought she was being romanced by the guy who played Billy Hargrove Uh on Stranger Things. I am obsessed with Stranger Things, but the thing is, when I tallied it all up, it was $10,000-ish. I told my ex-husband, I said, listen, I said, it's not working out. I said, you're not letting me be me. You're not letting me be free. I said, I think you need to leave. So he left. Within two months, he was gone. And I was out ten thousand dollars because i'm an idiot and uh a cheater and i was scammed i mean this and a moron i mean you thought the guy that played billy hargrove on stranger things was contacting you and you were going to go out and meet him and you gave the guy that probably makes millions ten thousand dollars and gift cards you moron (laughs) (sighs) we need to hook her up with al sharpton she, I watched a little bit more of that. Yeah, right. She, I watched a little bit more of that, and, and she goes into detail of why she truly believed it was him in the video. One of the times, the scammer told her to, hey, hey, what, watch out for me in episode four. That'll be me. And when the actor appeared, she bought into the fact that no one else would know that but him. Well, Billy, first of all, Billy Hargrove, the guy that plays Billy Hargrove is a huge character in the show. Right. And plus, you can go into imbd.com and show future projects and episodes. This woman is an idiot. She is superficial. I'm glad she got scammed. And the biggest takeaway here, the biggest thing everybody needs to know is that her husband should be on his knees thanking God that he got rid of this doofus. He dodged a bullet. He dodged a huge bullet. He is the big winner in this situation. Yes, the the ex-husband. Yeah, I'm going to leave you because I've been online with the guy that plays on Stranger Things. So we're going to get a divorce. You're not giving me what I need. You're not letting me be me. You're not letting me be free. Good riddance. And this brings us to great moments in scam history. This is when, Nige, you and I called back somebody that left you a scam voicemail. We actually oh, yeah. called him back. 
Hello. Thank you for calling. Please stay on the line while I connect you to one of our representatives. Please note that your call may be monitored Hello. or recorded for quality assurance or training purposes. Got the music. Okay. Hi, this is Hannah. How may I help you? Yeah, I was calling to pay off my debt. Got a call uh, about the debt collecting. All right, who am I speaking with? This is uh, Bueller. First name Ferris. Interesting. <laughs> F E R. It's two R. It's two R's. Yeah. What can I actually help you with? Well, no, I'm calling to pay off my debt. Would you like my social security number first or my uh, credit card number? First? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me your social. Okay. Eight one two. Three five. Six five three seven. And you're not in our system, sir. So I hope you have a good day. Scammer. <laughs> Great moments in I sh- scam history. I should have thrown a niner in there if I had to go back and do it all over again. I love you were concerned that she might spell Ferris wrong. <laughs> it's a uh, two R's in Ferris. The thing is, that wasn't you know some faraway place in some other country where the guy has a thick accent and like a Nigerian prince wanting you to. That well, that was an American woman running a scam somewhere that that people obviously fall for. She was ready. She had the computer going. She's like, "All right, yeah, give me your give me your social security." Could you imagine being that global, giving your social security number and people calling do. calling somebody back? Well, the previous woman from Kentucky, like a lot of old elderly women probably fall for that crap. Elderly men fall for that yeah, but crap. The, the, the catfish woman that with the Stranger Things, she was like in her 30s. Well, people are morons. I mean. You said it best. Look who they elected president. <laughs> Is this anything? A six-year-old boy out of Pennsylvania has won the 2023 Kids Mullet Championship. Cool. Here is Rory and his mom talking about the big, hairy American win. My heart is beating so fast. (laughs) It's just hysterical, and I love it. I love every part of it. It's been such an amazing, fun contest and the community has been so awesome and it's it's so overwhelming we went to the barber he wanted a mullet and uh, said he wanted to do this contest it's not unusual for kids to rock the mullet anymore it's kind of come back i it mean has. we our neighbors had kids of just a, their freshman year at purdue they just left he got a fresh mullet on his way to purdue uh like sorry like, he's 18 years old it's not something like people make fun of anymore. No. It's like the... It's, like the in- it's requested. Yes. The Kentucky Waterfall is back. And, uh, man, I've seen a lot of my son's friends rocking the mullet, too. Now, if somebody really wants to think outside the box, get a perm. <laughs> I want to see young high school, college yes. kids walking around with yes. a tight, kinky Mike Brady <laughs> perm. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You people disgust me. Hammer and Nigel. Hello. I'm Nigel. That's Hammer. I don't know. If you're hoping Donald Trump is going to be participating in the Republican uh, GOP primary debates next week, you might be disappointed. He's suggested several times he's not going to appear. A new report is shedding a little light on what he might do instead to try to steal the spotlight for himself during that event. Here's CNN reporter. She's kind of been embedded with Trump. How did, who is this? Elena, Elena Treen. Elena Treen. 
All indications that I'm getting from Donald Trump's team is that he is not going to participate in that debate next week. Of course, with the hedge, which I included in the story, is that this is Donald Trump we're talking about. I've covered him for years, and his team tells me that there's always a a small chance that he may decide in the 11th hour that he ultimately wants to go. Of course, there's logistical questions to whether he would even be able to do that. Um, But most likely, he will not be on that debate stage next week. And instead, Donald Trump himself has been personally throwing out ideas for counter-programming. There have been discussions between Donald Trump's team and Tucker Carlson about an interview uh, around the same time on Wednesday. Um, I'm also told that Donald Trump's team wants some of his surrogates to represent him at the debate, especially if he is not there. People like uh, Byron Donalds, a congressman from Florida, as well as Matt Gates. Donald Trump has been telling people uh, there was a dinner last month where Fox News executives, they traveled to Bedminster and encouraged Donald Trump to participate in the debate. And Trump personally is telling people he thinks that shows that Fox is worried about rating without him. And so he's feeling like he's in a strong position not to attend next week. Well, either way, when the debate happens next week, couple things here. We will have a Hammer and Nigel show bingo card ready for you to yeah. play at home. And I think everybody's going to live tweet it. I talked to Tony last night, uh, talked to Casey and Rob. All of us are going to be live tweeting the debate. And if Donald Trump does something on his own. If he sits down mm-hmm. with Tucker Carlson, we will have somebody live tweet that. So we will have you covered no matter what happens next Wednesday. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter, uh, Tony Katz, Casey Daniels, Rob Kendall, and the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, we'll get you covered, man, and I'm excited for it. We'll have the bingo card ready to play next week as well. It's been a little while since we've had one of these. That's it. A Nancy Pelosi update, which means we need to have the official Nancy Pelosi music. Oh. Is that necessary? That's unnecessary. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She was speaking to a crowd at the White House trying to fire them up on the anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, which really is a dressed-down version of the Green New Deal. Pelosi's trying to fire up the crowd, but they don't seem into it. So she had a couple please clap moments. We can all agree we have a moral obligation to ensure strong, healthy, resilient communities for future generations. I think that's an applause line. Many of the recommendations now in the law, including clean energy tax credits, sprang, were were present in that legislation. You know that, Mr. Markey, because you did a similar thing in the uh, uh, earlier Congress. Thank you for your leadership. That's an applause line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how pathetic. If you have to tell someone to applaud, they don't care. They have not been paying attention or they don't care. Side note, uh, big headline, New York Post. Employees inside the Nancy Pelosi Federal Building in San Francisco told to work from home as crime skyrockets. Hmm. Isn't that hilarious? Now, I was told that uh, crime in major cities was a Republican talking point. No, 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 no. Huh. Quote, in light of the conditions at the federal building, we recommend employees 
maximize the use of telework for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Translation, it's not getting any better wow. anytime soon. Have you seen this Nancy Pelosi federal building? It is so god-awful ugly. Who well, so is Nancy this? Pelosi. Oh, stop. Oh, come on. I think she was kind of a looker back in the day. Yeah, 1912. <laughs> And now she's up there begging people to clap, which brings us to great moments and please clap history. And I think there's only one way to get this party started. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. (laughs) Oh, low energy Jeb. Oh, the guy was just made a fool of by Donald Trump, just purely emasculated. And he sounded so defeated when that crowd, <laughs> when he had to tell that crowd, please clap. I don't even want to be here. The least you can do is clap. Uh, great moments and please clap history. Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. She had a horrible presidential campaign where she also had to remind people to applaud. And every single time I have run, I have won every single congressional district in my state, including Michelle Bachman's. Okay? That's when you guys are supposed to cheer. Okay? All right. So. Think about how unlikable Amy Klobuchar is. Like all the stories of her being horrible to her staff, throwing things at her staff. Like Mommy Dearest comes off more likable than Amy Klobuchar does. (laughs) But... Amy Klobuchar went a lot farther than Kamala Harris did in that Democratic primary. She outlasted Kamala. So Democrat voters, not us mean, ugly conservatives, Democrat voters said, yeah, the ice queen over here from Minnesota, she's more (laughs) likable than Kamala Harris. So all this talk about Kamala being the next person up, if something happens to Joe, is just laughable to me. We got one more here. Great moments and please clap history. This is the good doctor, Jill Biden. I've visited red states and blue states, and I found that the common values that unite us are deeper than our divisions. And um, I thought you might clap for that. Oh, oh no. So humiliating. I know we've already played it, but Allison, can I please hear Jeb Bush just one more time? Can I hear just a defeated Jeb Bush just kind of shrugging his shoulders at the crowd? I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. (laughs) (laughs) The Hammer and Nigel show. Please clap. and Nigel show. You know those stupid CAPTCHA challenges? Is that how I pronounce it? CAPTCHA? Oh, I know what you're talking it's, about. It's like um, the challenge response tests used by in computing determine whether the user is human. Click all or... the boxes that have a sign in it. Click all the boxes that have a bus in it. Or or sometimes it'll, it'll be like a word and it's kind of like it's it's 
I don't know. It's like twisted a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Couple letters, couple numbers. Yeah. It's, it's weird cursive. Mag- yeah. It's hard to look at sometimes. But that's supposed to be proved that you're not a robot and you can move on with whatever you're doing on the website. Right. Like Robots ordering. shouldn't be able to hack that. That's the theory anyway, right? Well... As Lee Corso says on College Game Day, not so fast, my friend. Researchers have found that bots are better than humans at solving those forms of computer logins, CAPTCHAs. They're also faster at solving them as well. Is there anything more frustrating than those things when you get I it know. wrong and I, you I, have to do I, it again? Yeah, I, I always get them wrong. I had to do it for my, some, one of my son's uh, games that he does online, and I couldn't get it. I kept screwing it up, and then I, and then it like locked me out for. Oh my son! He was so mad at me that I couldn't get it. <laughs> like I did it over and over. You have one more chance to do this, and I it's it's like I had to you know click all the boxes with a flower in it. Right, and sometimes the box might just have a little portion yeah. of it. Right, right, right. And you're wondering, do I click that box? Is that what they're talking about? The full flower is not in the picture. I overthink <laughs> these things way too much. And now. Now I'm now we're learning that they don't even work. Cause, right. Cause bots. bots and scammers are way better at it than we are. And it doesn't even make a difference. Um, there's a new hashtag trending on social media. Hashtag signs you're in your 40s. Now, both of us fall into this category. Yes. I am uh, 45 years old. Um, yes. Hashtag signs you're in your 40s. Some of the things people are writing in regards to this thread. If you're in the supermarket and you realize the music that they're playing was the same music at your homecoming dance or prom, <laughs> dude, sometimes I'll hear a throwback jam if I'm in Kroger. Like, I'll hear something that takes me back to like 1993, 94, like a classic fun R&B hit or oh, something. Please. I was in Kroger the other day. I thought I heard uh, Even Flow from Pearl Jam. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, some of the power ballads, man, like that... Uh, grew up listening to in high school you'll hear that in the grocery store i have no problem like singing it out or kind of bobbing my head a little bit here's some (laughs) other things hashtag signs you're in your 40s hangovers have become an all-day affair instead of a quick recovery Nige, the floor is yours. (laughs) It's really why I'm constantly toying with with just not even messing around with it anymore. Because it's getting old. Other than Uh, Moonshine Monday and Beer Sample Friday. Yeah. Whiskey Wednesday, Vodka Tuesday, Tequila Thursday, whatever. Uh, Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the hangovers are just completely just if it's too much, they just ruin your day especially if you can't sleep it off like you've got responsibilities you have to wake up early if you can sleep till 10 maybe that's different all right so let me ask you this let's say the kids are staying the night at the grandparents house yeah you've got the night to do whatever you want you're having a good time you're with the neighbors beer shots are flowing that's what happened yeah do you limit yourself because you know the hangover is going to be a pain in the ass the next no, day? No, uh, because <laughs> the kid, you just had the caveat that the kids are away. The grandparents are watching right. so I can sleep in. But even though you know you're going to be hurting the next day a little bit more than you used to, you're still all systems go? Yeah. <laughs> like Joe Biden. Yes, all systems go. I wrote the bill on the environment. But that is true. That's definitely true. The older you get. And it's just like it's a repeat. You know, 
there's no excitement in it anymore for me. I don't know. But then I say that, and then Saturday rolls around, and I'm so excited. It's summertime, and the neighbors are out. And, you know, hell, I stayed up till 3.30 in the morning last Saturday night into Sunday morning after a wedding. Are you okay. kidding me? I'm too old to be doing that. So this takes us into another thing. Hashtag signs you're in your 40s. And this one's got my name written all over it. You wake up injured and you don't know why. <laughs> like, I've woke up hurt before. I've yeah. injured myself sleeping before. Oh, I did that in my 30s. I, we had a party at my house, and uh, the next day I woke up with a huge bruise on my thigh, my outer thigh. I mean, huge, like somebody had bashed it in with a hammer. Ooh. And I, I said, Lindsay, why, why does my leg hurt? I was a bruise. And she goes, you fell up the stairs, you idiot. <laughs> Apparently when I was trying to go to bed, I tripped and fell and landed on the side of my leg. I had to go to the med check. I had frozen shoulder. Oh, yeah. A good hard that. sleep on the shoulder. And the next day, I couldn't move. It hurt. You, it was throbbing. You missed work because of a nap. <laughs> I did. I totally you, did. You took a nap, and the next day, you, you had to miss work because you could not move. Like, I see these people wake up in the morning, and they jump out of the bed. And they're fresh, and they're ready to take like on the Pee-wee day. Like Herman. Right. Yeah. I get out of the bed and I look like somebody that just had played in an NFL game. <laughs> I'm stumbling around. My back hurts. My shoulder hurts. Uh, here's a couple more real quick. Signs you're in your 40s, this trend on social media, when you make a noise to stand up. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, uh, yeah. Every time. It'll be like this. You ready? Yeah. I'm sitting in my chair right now. <laughs> That's the dad sound right there. What about making noise when you sit down? Let me sit back down here. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. And here, let me give you one here. This is something that I call the the rock and grunt. Like I can't just pop up. I'm not Bo Jackson here. Yeah, you're sitting in your I chair. I gotta rock a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of got to get the momentum going, got to rock a little bit, Boy, and then you get up. That's when you know you're getting old, when you have to get your momentum going <laughs> to get out of it, stand up and get out of a chair. It happens, man. Life comes at you fast. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Somebody else put their name in the hat. Running for governor of Indiana Hammer. Brad, Brad Chambers. Chambers. Woo-hoo. Everybody's fired up. Yeah, that'll get him going. Brad. Teenage girls around the city of Indianapolis. <laughs> You've probably got a poster hanging up in your room right now. <laughs> Dreams come true. Uh, is he a Holcomb guy? He's a Holcomb guy, though, right? So this is going to be the establishment guy. So if you think everything's going great right now in the state of Indiana, and you're not being overtaxed, and your property tax situation is perfect, all of the people who made that happen, <laughs> this is their guy. Brad Chambers. Holcomb's going to be behind this guy. Uh, Kyle Hupfer is probably going to be a big part of his campaign. Whether he acts as the campaign director or major advisor, this is going to be Mr. Establishment and, and in the governor's Brad race. Brad Chambers is former Secretary of Commerce. Holcomb guy, is, is Holcomb supporting him? Endorsing him? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Little birdies inside the state house have told 
Abdul, Rob Kendall, that Governor Holcomb is kind of going to give that Heisman Trophy stiff arm to his lieutenant governor, Suzanne Crouch, and hitch his wagon along with his establishment buddies to Brad Chambers here. That, for me... I know who I'm not voting for now. <laughs> like, I don't know who I'm voting for, but I know who I'm not voting for now. If it has for, anything to do with Holcomb. <laughs> for Big Nige, an endorsement <laughs> of Governor Holcomb might as well be OJ. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go the other direction here. So now you've got a pretty crowded GOP primary field where the main players are Suzanne Crouch, Curtis Hill, Eric Doden, Mike Braun, and now Brad Chambers. Now, the Libertarian candidate is there. Uh, That is Donald Rainwater. That's who I voted for last time. And McCormick is running as the Democrat. But in terms of the GOP primary field, Brad Chambers is in. Uh, During his two-year term as the Secretary of Commerce, he helped the Indiana Economic Development Corporation secure more than $33 billion of committed capital investments. Does that help anybody around Indy, though? Like when you're being taxed to bejesus and your property tax are high and you keep hearing the same people say, look at all this surplus we have. Yeah, that's fancy talk for we've paid too much in taxes. How about you get rid of the gas tax? How about you lower our property taxes? Work on those things. I don't know if you're going to get that, but the folks that tax the hell out of you are hitching their wagon to Brad Chambers. Well, who is Brad Chambers going to take votes away from? Suzanne Crouch. And we'll talk about this with Rob Kendall coming up here in just a little bit, because nobody knows the insides of that uh, state house better than Rob does. I feel like Suzanne Crouch was the de facto establishment candidate, but not a lot of people were excited about her. And now that Chambers is out, he's going to have uh, Kyle Hupfer behind him, the endorsement of Governor Holcomb. They're going to barnstorm just, the state. I, you know, what, the endorsement of Holcomb is just... I, 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 Holcomb lost me during the lockdowns of COVID. He had the chance to be a superstar. Uh, and, and instead, he tried to throw you in jail for wearing not wearing a mask and, and kept us locked down. And and it just, I mean, listen to buffoons like the health commissioner, Dr. Box. I just, and then, of course, called the, the people that were protesting outside of his home a, a petri dish when all they wanted, they didn't want anything except their ability to go back to work. I, that whole thing. And you and I interviewed the governor multiple times before COVID. We had that NCAA bracket challenge with him, which was really fun and cool. But he lost me after that. And I hold a grudge, man. I, I just, I, he, he completely and totally lost me after COVID. Imagine just wanting to open up your business, saying, no, I know. it's yeah. all on me, I take responsibility, but I have to make a living, and being told you're a Petri dish, and then you see the same guy, the same governor, shaking hands and playing grab asses with Malik Muhammad, who led an angry mob up and down the street, yeah. who originally, they thought they were going to ransack the governor's mansion. That guy, Malik Mohammed, is now locked up in another state for attempting to murder a police officer. He got a meet and greet. I just, I, I just, I will never, ever get over that. And his Holcomb's career as a politician, I'm, I believe, is seemingly over after this. Now, I want to talk to Rob about this coming up a little bit after five thirty. 
I wonder who this benefits because it looks like Suzanne Crouch and Brad Chambers, they're going to take votes away from each other. They're the establishment choices. So they're going to kind of cannibalize each other. Does this open up any sort of opportunity for Curtis Hill, who jumped in the late the race late. He's the anti-establishment guy. Mm. The establishment hates Curtis Hill. Yeah, well, he's the attorney general that put the smackdown on Holcomb's mask mandate. No, you're not throwing people in jail if they're not wearing a mask. Now, nice Hill's guy. got a little baggage. There's a little baggage. He was cleared of all of it, man. Yeah. So, I'm curious to see if this opens the door for him, or maybe we're just thinking too much into this, and it's Mike Braun's to lose. That's. I think you, you might have hit the nail on the head with that last comment. You may have heard in the uh, newscasts earlier that Task Force One from Indiana, the group of elite-trained firefighters on their way to assist in Hawaii, delayed a little bit. They're not going to be flying out and leaving until tomorrow. So, if you know somebody that's a part of that. Uh, tell them, God bless you. Godspeed. Be careful. They're on their way to Hawaii tomorrow. The death poll is now over 110. Still 1,000 people missing. Wow. That's a big number. Now, earlier today, Joe Biden, he was asked by a reporter about his upcoming trip to Hawaii and, as usual, gave us this amazing insight. Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> Do you think he knows he's even going, Nige? Can you tell us about your Hawaii trip, sir? No, not now. That's the first time he's finding out about it. <laughs> you he, may he, be right. I'm laughing, like, but you may be right. Like I know he, uh, yesterday he said, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii. Uh, we're going to wait until things calm down over there. I don't want to be a distraction. And then he immediately forgot he was going to Hawaii. And that reporter <laughs> asking about it was the first time in his mind. That's what happens with those kinds of people. You get and, old, you forget stuff. <laughs> and when you watch the video of that, I'll see if I can retweet it, at Amar and Nigel. It looks like he's almost asleep standing up. <laughs> like his eyes are barely open. He's got that creepy, weird mouth, kind of half open face. Like he just smells an egg fart. And his response is <laughs> no. Gross. Okay, thanks. By the way, Hawaiian Electric, the electric company in Hawaii, about to take some major heat and questions. Um, According to a couple of reports, Hawaiian Electric knew that there was a big wildfire threat, but they waited years to even address that. Yeah, it was in the Wall Street Journal. Four years ago, the utility said it needed to do more to prevent its power lines from emitting sparks. It made little progress, focusing on a shift to clean energy. Okay, so, because hmm. I keep hearing a lot of people talk about climate change with these fires in Hawaii, uh, but that's not what this is about. What caused the fires was Hawaiian Electric's failure to clear flammable gases from around electric wires. And when you don't do that, you get this catastrophic event. Now, were there some wind gusts from some activity in the Pacific? Probably. Sure, 
But that is not why these fires yeah. were as bad as they I mean, were. Like, it's, it's poor forest management when it happens here. Like some of those forest fires in California, it's just poor forest management. No controlled burns. No clearing away old debris that could catch on fire. And that's kind of what happened here is, is what they're thinking. <laughs> Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah! Well, Kareem Jean-Pierre, <laughs> as the White House uh, press secretary, continues to be horrible at her job this past week. She forgot to switch accounts and tweeted that she was running for president. <laughs> and now she butchered the names of the reps from Hawaii in a press conference. Uh, she mispronounced the last name of uh, Crazy Maisie and uh, referring to her as he. Uh, so, Senator Hirono was her name. Also struggling to pronounce the name of Senator Brian Schatz. The president is uh, certainly deeply concerned about uh, about the people in Maui. Senator Hirono, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii, um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts Shorts Shorts. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, Schatz could throw you off a little bit. I mean, I understand maybe pronouncing uh, Hirono wrong. Nigel, she, she called him Shart. <laughs> she called him. Is, uh, certainly deep for residents of Hawaii, um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts. 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 <laughs> she called him Senator Shart. It's it's Schatz, correct? Yes. S C H A T Z. Are you, are you okay with this? <laughs> she is so bad at her job. So bad. <laughs> In addition to calling Senator Brian Schatz shorts and shart, which is laughable in its own, like Maisie Hirono is one of the most well-known senators because she's a lunatic, yeah. but she's an icon in Hawaii. I mean, she's popular for being a lunatic and very blue, very left-leaning Hawaii. So you would think that the White House press secretary, who is a Democrat, and it's a Democrat administration, would know who their allies are. <laughs> she called Maisie Hirono her Reno or high Reno. I once shot a man in high Reno just to watch him die. And so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts shots shots shots. <laughs> this woman is so I love that far <laughs> away from being competent. I mean, she is so bad at her job. And I've said this before. I disagreed with everything coming out of Jen Psaki's mouth. Sure. But she knew what she was talking sure. about. Her job was to go up there and polish the turd, right? Lie to your face, but she looked like she knew what was going on. She got the names right. She'd lie right to you, but that was what she's being told to do. Corrine Jean-Pierre's up there calling people Reno and Shart. <laughs> okay. Moving on. The Killers, love that band, brought a Russian guy on stage to play drums during a show Tuesday night in the... Nation of Georgia, not the state, the nation overseas. 
uh, to possibly kind of promote unity. Oh no! Because the whole Russia invading Georgia back in the late 2000s thing, you know. So, so the crowd <laughs> quickly turned on the band, booing them. Many left the venue. The band apologized after the show. Here's how it all began, and then the lead singer Brandon Flowers tries to smooth things over to no avail. <laughs> We don't know the etiquette of this land, but he, this guy's a Russian. Are you okay with a Russian coming up here? No! <laughs> he a beautiful son. At this point, they're thinking. Oh, they're oh boy. Uh-oh. That's what you want to separate it all? So I'm not your brother? Am I not your brother? Being from America, am I, am I your brother? No. I'm not your brother? <laughs> America didn't invade the nation of Georgia. About being in this band is it brings people together. And tonight I want us to celebrate that. I don't think they're buying it, Hammer. And I don't want it to turn over. And I see you as my brothers and my sisters. Are you okay with the crowd reacting the way they did there? Uh, yeah, I am. Just shut up and play Mr. Brightside. <laughs> You're not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. You're not going to have some sort of kumbaya moment. You brought a Russian dude on stage in a country that hates Russia. This isn't the United States where all these woke people get together and, oh, look at that. It's somebody that's different. Let's give them a applause no this is a different country play mr Brightside and shut the hell up oh wow man that one gave me tears that was funny like literally um, five seconds in after they ask hey we got a russian guy here you guys okay with that like you could almost like hear oh yeah their fear what you could almost hear their fear Uh oh oh crap we made a mistake <laughs> All right, we got time for one more. Do you want to uh, talk about the fight breaking out at a furry meetup, or <laughs> or an entire police force uh, resigning at the same time? Uh, let's do furries. Okay, let's do furries. A, a fight broke out at a furry meetup in California. Now, what's a, a furry, Nige? Well, I believe it's adult adults to dress up as as animals, and that's their lifestyle. And they don't just dress up. They, they get together and have amorous activities often. <laughs> okay, so a fight broke out at a furry meetup in California when a plain-clothed man refused to stop recording the furries with his phone. This is the moment that a furry dressed as a dog attacked the man with a megaphone. We will make you leave! You can let go of him any time! Oh! Are you okay with... The furry man dressed up as a dog attacking the guy? You know what? I think I am. Because leave the dude alone. Was the dude dressed up as a dog bothering anybody? Was he robbing a bank? Was he assaulting somebody? Was he having relations in front of children or something? Because if he wasn't, just leave him alone. I see freaks downtown on Monument Circle all the time. I've seen a man treating his body like an amusement park <laughs> right outside of the windows of the lobby of this radio station. But you know what? 
I think any of those examples would be more, hey, let's stop this behavior than yeah. the guy dressed like a furry. At a furry convention. Right. It's a furry convention. Or a meetup, I guess. To all these Whatever. people, you, not dressed as a furry, you're the outsider. Listen, I don't get it. It's not my cup of tea. But uh, if he wasn't hurting anybody, if he wasn't being a pervert or something, eh, leave him alone. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Cameron and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. The noise pollution. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also here to go off the rails is Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. So many places we could go. We have somebody that threw their name into uh, the hat for a uh, run for Indiana governor. I want to get to your overall big picture on Trump's fourth indictment. But first... I was flipping channels the other night. I couldn't believe I was awake this late, but I did. I, I caught the tail end of you, and that who was that woman that ran for Secretary of State? Uh, you're, that, you're referring to on-demand abortion advocate Destiny Wells. I think that's who you're talking about. That, that, okay, you were talking about that earlier. She this lost morning. to Diego Morales. Bad. Right? Like Diego Morales, Indiana is 207 years old, and it is, I think, fairly safe to say that in the 207 years we've been a state, Diego Morales is the biggest buffoon to ever (laughs) seek statewide office, and she lost to him by 14 points. That's how bad she was. I caught the tail end of that. That was a thing with that Phil Sanchez does every unfiltered. Yes, is that what? What? What was the conversation there? Well, so Phil had texted me, and we love Phil, and he's the most handsome man in all of Indianapolis media, and he said, "Hey, would you be willing to do my?" uh, you know, unfiltered show tonight. And we'd like to talk about Trump and the indictments. I said, sure. He said, you'll be working with Destiny Wells. And I said, well, have you let her know that? Because she might have an aneurysm when that crosses her desk. <laughs> she is not a fan of Rob Kendall. Well, no. And she's mad at me because, well, during her failed miserably and totally embarrassing election last year, for some reason, as Secretary of State candidate, which has nothing to do with abortion, she weighed in hardcore and came out for abortion with I guess absolutely no limits. And I said, well, if you're for abortion with no limits from conception to live birth, I'd call that an on-demand abortion advocate. And that apparently made her really mad. Well, so, but what was, is that what you were talking about Tuesday well, night? Or well, what was the point of the conversation? Well, we were supposed to talk about Trump. Okay. Yeah, and right, then right, the Trump right, indictment right. in Georgia. And I look at, you know me, I can button up and be professional with the best of them. That unfiltered <laughs> segment, it's, it's like, you know, four or five minutes. I said, sure, we'll just, you know, we'll get along and everybody will be fine. And I, I joked with Phil. I said, I will refrain from calling her an on-demand abortion advocate during the off the, the air. You yeah, this yeah, absolutely. And you know, Phil, he chuckled about it, and Phil's a pros pro. And so we get in there, and Phil said something to the effect of when everybody gets on the Zoom together, and this he is goes before you go live. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right. And he goes, oh, I, you know, something effective. I can't believe we got got everybody together and able to make this happen. Ha ha. And I just hear from the other because you can't see her. I just hear in the in the Zoom. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, oh, shots no. fired. But Rob, who who is she? Besides the person that lost to Diego Morales, like who is she? Like as an attorney? Uh, yes, like I believe that? that's okay. that's her that's her job. Wondering I think what she... the point of Phil having her on was. Well, and and so then she launches into after that. I thought, well, okay, 
were already getting started. She said, what is it you call me? And she took a stab at on-demand abortion advocate, and she got it wrong. And so I, I asked Phil, I said, well, Phil, I told you I wouldn't say it, but can I? Since she asked, he said, sure, go right ahead. I said, on-demand abortion advocate. And it just basically went downhill That's from so, there. But then you went, what we saw on TV was you guys debating about Trump and yeah. You're weighing in on that. And then what happened after the segment was over? Well, you know, you get done and Phil, of course, you know, smiling and lovable as he is. Hey, that was great. Uh, you know, glad everybody could do it. Blah, blah, blah. And then I hear something to the effect of have fun being a blowhard for three hours on the radio tomorrow. <laughs> That's so great. The woman who got blown out by Diego Morales uh. <laughs> is running smack to you. Yeah. And it, I think she's tweeting about you, too. Oh, and, and so this is the weirdest part. And uh, this is what I don't understand why she... It, so you think about the election was in November. And I think we gave her that on-demand abortion advocate name, like maybe in early October or something. So she has seethed on that for like 11 months. She's mad somebody called yes. out what she believes in. Yes! Because she knew it made her look awful. And this is the super weird thing. And I wasn't going to bring it up, but Casey said we have to. So, you know, it's half her show. I, I, you know, do what she says. When she tweets out, and she did the thing, and you guys I know have this all the time, wasn't listening, but a lot of people told me, you know, the whole thing. They were listening. Yeah, of course she is. She's rage listening, because that's what people do. Uh, That I was being mentioned, whatever. And she starts talking about abortion advocacy, and it's a photo of her with her kid. She's talking about abortion advocacy on on, on Twitter. On Twitter, and the, the photos she posts, you know, it's like one of these. Like, I'm too busy to listen to these people. I've got to go do this with my kid, and it's a photo with her kid. Yeah, and it's little, like, how tone deaf are you, lady? That's a little bizarre to me. If yes. you're going to be the I'm all in on late term abortion lady, maybe showing. The kids that were not aborted seems to be a misstep in communication. Uh, look, lady, you lost because you're a wholly unlikable person who advocates <laughs> for sucking the brains out of defenseless fetuses from conception to live birth. There it is. And even a complete and utter huckster buffoon like Diego Morales, when you force people to make a choice, huckster buffoon or on-demand sucking the brains out of defenseless fetuses from conception to live birth, they say, give me the huckster buffoon. Kind of feels like the mayor's race here in Indianapolis at times, right? I don't like any of these guys. I guess I'm still just confused. I mean, I know why Phil had you on. Yeah, you're a name, and you have a platform. I don't. I, I just don't. Well, she's an just, attorney. She was supposed but, to break down the Trump indictment, right? That was what she was booked okay. for. But she couldn't help herself because she saw Rob Kendall, and the liberal tears started flowing. <laughs> and, All right. And if you go back to the it, actual segment that that aired on TV, you can just hear the hate seething. <laughs> from her voice that she even has to be on an internet Zoom with me, much less ever you know, be in a room with me. I got to go back and watch that full segment. <laughs> Who put their name in the hat for uh, the race for governor today? So Brad Chambers is running. Who? Yeah, exactly. How's his wife Diane Chambers, by the way? <laughs> Former uh, waitress on Cheers, I believe. Oh, good old Shelly Long. That's a good one. I see what you did there. Um, so he was the head of the economic uh, IEDC, the econom- uh, economic development arm of state government. Recently, they have been most active in taking 
hundreds of millions of dollars from poor and middle class people like us and using it to strong arm farmers out of their land. Now, Abdul, we had Abdul in here and I asked him about that. And I specifically said, hey, Rob is saying the farmers are getting the shaft because of this guy. And he laughed and he scoffed and he said, you were full of crap. Oh, Abdul defended the establishment. Boy, (laughs) boy, I'm shocked. Uh, What happens in these instances, and we've had farmers who are part of this on the the loves, Jim and Karen Love, who are a part of this. uh, What happens is the state will come to you and go, we would like to buy your land. Well, gee, I'm not really interested in selling. I kind of like being a farmer. And they make it very clear without saying the word so that you know what they're talking about, but they're covered legally, that you can either sell us your land or we're going to make this very difficult on you. And so if you're a person who doesn't want to fight the state of Indiana with endless resources, who you're probably going to eventually lose anyway and then lose a fortune in the process, what choice do you really have? And so what they do is they want you to believe that Eli Lilly, which is the largest drug manufacturer in the world can't complete a real estate deal without the state of indiana using tax money from poor and middle class people and they have gobbled up all this farmland and they make these deals and brad chambers was the point guy on a whole bunch of this so now in the race for the republicans now let me know if i'm forgetting anybody we've got Doty, we've got braun (laughs) we've got curtis hill we've got suzanne crouch and now we've got chambers in the mix and there's another lady who's running and people are going to be very mad at me but she has not done a very good job of getting her name out there but there are five people right now who really have a you know kind of a legitimate name chance and will spend money necessary to win the republican primary okay so with chambers now being in the mix it sounds like this is holcomb's guy this is going to be the establishment guy right kyle hupfer is going to be involved allegedly in some way whether he's campaign advisor director with chambers here That sounds like that's going to be the establishment candidate. What does that mean for Mike Braun? What does that mean for Curtis Hill? Kind of feels like this is good for them and bad for Suzanne Crouch. Yeah, and you know how I just hate that anything bad would happen to old silent Suzanne. You may remember her completely silent through all the tax increases, mass mandates, business shutdowns, Malik Muhammad meet and greet. Was the lieutenant governor to Eric Holcomb. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people uh, assumed she had the establishment lane all to herself, which in a primary of five people, you get 30, 35% of the vote, which is the establishment vote. There was a real world where she could have been the nominee for governor there's no shot she's going to be the nominee for governor now because especially if holcomb hupfer incorporated throw all their weight behind chambers she's going to be totally iced out and if you split that vote now you've got those two at 15 20 percent apiece and so now you've got five people running and there is a real world where 22 23 percent of the vote is going to win this republican primary which would be who curtis hill i mean are you saying curtis hill has a shot oh yeah he has a shot now look braun has still got to probably be the leader in the clubhouse now his his record and i know you guys are good buddies with braun and i think that's wonderful but his record as a state we have him on the show well but he famously (laughs) said your guys names on uh was it fox news wasn't it what his campaign acceptance speech yeah he was listening to our program absolutely and uh you know but look his record as a state rep is abhorrent he voted for more than 40 tax increases he voted for the largest tax increase in state history he's been totally flippant and we've heard this from multiple people in regards to property taxes but perception is reality right and the guy's gonna have money to blanket the state and so he's probably the leader in the clubhouse especially if you've got these two splitting votes and i know we gotta take a break here but i can't see a lot of 
women in Indiana running to say, I support Curtis Hill, knowing what he got in trouble for the last time around. Yeah, but look at Trump. I mean, there's a lot of people who think Curtis got a raw deal just like Trump did. Now, again, I still think Braun's the favorite, but Curtis Hill and Mike Braun are the big winners with Chambers getting in because it gives them a shot at 20 to 25 percent of the vote to be the nominee for governor. So indictment number four for Donald Trump, (laughs) polling numbers going up for Donald Trump. Penny, for your thoughts. Well, Fanny, what you talking about, Willis, I don't think got the uh, desired (laughs) result. That's the uh, DA prosecuting this case in Georgia, right? Look. I mean, Fanny Willis. <laughs> what you talking about, Will? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, it's laughable at this point. You've got Trump charged with more things than Gacy or Bundy or Dahmer or BTK or Richard Ramirez. What would Ramirez. you put it that way? I mean, it's, but that's the way you have to put it. That's how ridiculous all of this is. And you know who the real scumbag in all of this is? Is Mike Pence. For him to be out there flapping his gums about the election in Georgia was not stolen. We've played this clip a gajillion times that on January the 4th in front of a stadium full of people in Georgia, he was talking about concerns about the election. We're going to get to the bottom of it and i stand with donald trump it's all laughable and it's all a joke so next wednesday i've talked to all of us are you on board live tweeting the debate whether trump's going to be there or not maybe he's doing an interview with tucker i don't know but i think we're all going to live tweet it retweet each other and give the listeners of wibc full coverage are you in yes i'm going to order my hammer and nigel uh shirt from the hammer and nigel merch store which you can what's the web address there for people who want that again store dot hammer and nigel dot com uh, don't put the w's in there no www just store dot hammer and nigel dot yes i'm gonna order my shirt i will be uh, retweeting live tweeting and uh you know i'm just gonna throw this out there if eventually we could add a this guy piece sitting down shirt to the merch <laughs> store i would love to buy one of those do you, as well. we got about a minute left do you think donald trump will be there do you think he should be there maybe two different things no and here's why i think he's got him totally in a box on this refusing to sign the debate pledge thing and and there's, I think he, it's a cat and mouse game where he gets great glee out of them having to cry uncle and say, hey, I'm going to let you in the debate even though you refuse to sign this pledge, which I don't think they can do. I mean, what a disaster for McDaniel. This stupid pledge is going to keep the biggest name, the front runner, off the debate stage. And he's got a totally viable out, which is Chris Christie's a scumbag. Asa Hutchinson's a scumbag. I'm not voting for those people. And I know you aren't either. Let's go! <laughs> and the same people keep getting put back into positions of power. Ronna McDaniel, yep. Kevin McCarthy, yep. Cocaine Mitch, the McFailures. They all keep getting their gigs back. There is no reason to vote for the Republicans. They always lie to you and you let you down. The only thing there's a reason to do is to buy your merch from the Hammer and Nigel merch <laughs> store. Yeah. And if you need an amazing garage door, where can I go? Garage Doors of Indianapolis. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Rob, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.